Well, thanks, Bryce. It's really great to be with all of you, and um, it's, I'm long overdue to be um, worshiping God in Orange County. Karen and I, um, uh, when I was finishing seminary, I uh, was living in uh, Aliso Viejo and uh, spent a lot of time in Orange County and grew to love Southern California through our times there and still have friends that we stay in touch with. So it's uh, really great to be here and, of course, love our history that God's given us with Bryce and Ashley and their growing family. So, um, you know, really, really great. Um, this morning, I want to talk with you about training. Training. How many of you uh, belong to a gym like me? Come on. Put those hands up high. You belong to a gym. Hmm? No? How many of you are training? How many of you... Uh, there we go. There we go. There we go. So today we're going to talk about training to know and do God's purposes. And uh, uh, to see how uh, God would have us do that with him, be training. Uh, I'm going to look at a passage from Luke chapter 6, verses uh, 43 to 49. And um, as I read this, why don't you all stand with me and uh, I'll read this word uh, of the Lord, the word of God. This is God's word. Luke 6, 43 to 49. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been built, had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that our hope is that you're our Savior who enables us to do what we can't. Uh, There's no hearing of your word that we can muster in our own actions uh, that would enable us to build well. So show us today how uh, you have come in the person of your son, Jesus, Father. Uh, to save lost folks like us, like me. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, training, um, training to know and do God's purposes. Uh, Karen and I, my wife Karen, sitting here, we, we belong to a gym. And um, I mean, check me out. I mean, I look like a fit guy, yeah? You see the impact of training. My doctor... Uh, 
he, he looking at me as I, you know, I try as hard as I can to, to be fit. Uh, he says, you know, you're, uh, you're fit, but fat. And that's okay. <laughs> Thanks, Doc. Thanks for that encouragement. But there's good news in being fit. And uh, there's really good news in training. You know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9 that uh, training is good. The one who runs a race runs to win a, a, a wreath or a crown, right? And the training is good for the body, but there's also a training that's really good for our hearts, our souls. And that's where we want to look today is what is it to be training uh, to know and do God's uh, purposes? And when you train, uh, you'd like to have a coach. Um, I, uh, what is a coach and who are they in this congregation? I would say your coaches are Bryce and Ashley and Trevor and um, other ministry leaders here in the church. They're coaches. And uh, uh, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says that God has given pastors and teachers to the church to equip the believers to do works of service. In other words, to equip you to do the training you need to do, not just to watch them do it and say, you guys are so good. That is such a good sermon. That was such a good this, such a good that. No. They're here to train you. And uh, they're really like uh, your coach. What is a coach? Well, Tom Landry, the former Hall of Fame coach of the Dallas Cowboys, says this about a coach. A coach is someone who tells you what you don't want to hear, <laughs> who, uh, and who has, has you see what you don't want to see so that you can be what you've always known you could be. Wow. A coach. Uh, Lehman Bennett, another famous football coach, college coach, and then, and then the pros, he says a coach is someone who always makes you do what you don't want to do so that you can be what you always wanted to be. If you've had a coach in sports or in uh, the internship of your work, uh, anybody who's put alongside of you to help you do the things you don't want to do, and you've tasted the rewards of being what you always wanted to be but didn't know if you could. You know how sweet it is to have a coach. But not all the time. Sometimes it's like a dread to have a coach. I played, when I was in high school, I had a football coach. I played high school football. And to this day, I have a recording in my head of his voice. There was this one play where I didn't do a very good block. And in the midst of the crowd and everything else, I heard his voice from the sideline. I can still hear it. He knew what I knew. I missed the block. And I knew also that as he called out my name, he did not mean my harm, but my good. I knew that he loved me. And I knew he meant for me to be all I could be. That's what we're aiming at today. How does God give us pastors and teachers to coach us, to speak into our lives, that we would train with them to know and do God's purposes? That's where we're going today. You know, um, Christians are off, often considered to be the, uh, the greatest evidence against the Christian faith. People look at us and go, I don't know if I want to follow Jesus, this is what it's like. 
you know and I often whenever somebody brings this up I I'm like oh, yeah right so uh, no less of an individual than Mahatma Gandhi who is from India place I love a revered leader in the fight for national independence from British colon- uh, colonialism in the you know the first half of the 20th century when he was a child in India he was also a student in England and a lawyer in South Africa and he was exposed to Christianity and racism he admired the teaching of Jesus especially the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 to 7 and also we're reading our passage this morning in Luke 6 it's kind of like from the Sermon on the Mount he admired the life of Jesus and indeed was inspired to follow his example but after years of observing observing Christians he sadly concluded for me to believe in their Redeemer um, they need to show that they're more redeemed and he never became a Christian um, I don't know that Mahatma Gandhi uh, listened to all what was going on there because we are not Christ himself but he does live in us and we have a treasure in pots of clay and if you've ever been around a pot of clay don't drop it it's in shambles and we get dropped all the time and that's often our lives are in shambles but there's a treasure in us and it's not we that we present to the world and say be like me but we talk about the one who's in us and so how is it that we can um, you know how can God work in us so that we he would present himself to the world to Orange County to Ladera Ranch and vicinity uh, to see the living God that he exists and that he's in us and working in us to change our lives how, how would that happen well, there's a, there's a lot of resources at our disposal, and the question is, how do we tap into those? And that's what our coach is to do, to tell us what we don't want to hear and make us do what we don't want to do. And one of the things we really need to focus on is God's Word. So I'm going to look at three things today. i got three points. I don't know if this shows up anywhere, but i got three things. The first one's going to be, you know, what are the resources God really has for us? And then secondly, how do we get into those resources? And thirdly, as what's the message that's central out of the Bible that would actually change us from the inside out? And the first, uh, as we look at the resources of God, primarily the Bible and his word, um, I don't know if how many of you have seen the movie Cast Away. It came out in like 2000, Tom Hanks, he's working for FedEx, he's flying somewhere, and his plane encounters turbulence and ends up crashing in the ocean. And somehow he lives through it, and he floats on a raft and ends up on a deserted island, right? You remember the whole story? And he's there for five years, and different stuff washes up from that crashed FedEx plane, you know, different things that he uses. But he keeps one package. Well, there's this one during Super Bowl uh, uh, 37, there was a FedEx commercial that ran during halftime, you know, and they, the, the Super Bowl ads are like so cool. And um, there, there's, there's a guy who looks like a bedraggled Tom Hanks as he was stranded on the island, um, FedEx worker. And um, he, he shows up um, at, at a suburban home with a package that he had kept the, all five years that he was on the, on, the, uh, on the island. The idea was he wanted to deliver it. FedEx delivers. And he wanted to deliver it, right? And so here he is. He's at the door, at the address, knocks on the door. And uh, the lady comes to the door. And he explains he he had survived five years 
on this deserted island. And during that whole time, he kept this package in order to deliver it to her. And he hands it to her and she says, thank you. He's like, this isn't going to do. He's very curious. What's in the, what was in the package that I brought? I mean, I've had this thing here for you for five years. What's in the package? Show me. Can, can you show me? So she says, okay. So she opens up the package, and in the package was a satellite telephone, a global positioning device, a compass, a water purifier, and some seeds. <laughs> Man, unused resources. What are the unused resources that are in your possession right now that you would know life and know it to the full as Jesus has said that he came? I came that you could have fullness of life. You've got a whole package right here under your arm. And it's uh, not being used. Well, I think the first one is... Um, Above all, it's, it's, it's this thing. Or for others of us, um, you have a Bible app, find it in your app, or look on the app store, a Bible. And our first real point, the resource that God has given us is the Word. And so here's what I want you to think of. I, I suggest you, if you could think about writing this down if you're taking notes, I must get into the Word and the word must get into me. There's a difference. But you need both. First, I must get into the word. See, God meets us at the, at the point of his word. See, the scripture is God-breathed and it's profitable for teaching, reproof, training. There you go, training. In righteousness. And so it's, it, it teaches us, it shows us our error, it corrects us, and, it, and, and there's training. And so we not only do, do we need to get into the Word, and then God the Holy Spirit meets us there, but not just to read. You know, there's like reading programs. Have you had, there's a thing called Read Through the Bible. That's a great idea. Everybody, you know, the question sometimes you get asked is, have you, have you read the whole Bible? Mm -hmm. No. You're a Christian and you follow Jesus, you haven't read the whole Bible? No. So in order to answer that question, some people say, I'm going to read the whole Bible. And there's a reading program. And so you get into the Bible. But the idea is not just to get through the Bible, but to get the Bible through you. Yeah? And so that's the, I think that's the real first issue we want to look at. And that's what is going on in our text here. Uh, how do we become a tree that's so full of good treasure that out of us would flow good fruit. How's the treasure get in there? How do we go from perhaps being a bad tree, bearing bad fruit? Some of us look back on our lives and go, oh man, not so much good fruit coming out of me. I've done some things I'm not proud of, things I'm ashamed of, things I wish I could erase. How do you go from being a bad tree to being a good tree? Well, God, God pours into us his word. And not only that we get into the word, but the word really gets into us. And that's the hope. 
as Paul writes in Romans 12, he says, do not be conformed or shaped by this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that you can prove what is the will of God, his good and perfect, acceptable will. It's by the word. And not just reading through it, but letting it get through and into you and inside out. And so I must get into the word, but the word also must really get into me. You know, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Isaiah 53, 6. It says, all of us are like sheep who've gone astray. We've turned every one of us to our own way. I don't know about you, I'm sort of proud that I go my own way. I got my own thoughts. I got my own way of doing things. I think there's a real culture uh, all throughout our nation and we're just saying, hey, you got your way of doing things. That's really great. And there's an aspect of that that's, yeah, it is great. You're an individual. You're, you're different from everybody else. You ought to have your way of doing things. But there's something being pointed out in that verse that we actually do things our own way to the place that it, <laughs> it's, you know, we, we think the wrong thoughts. We think the wrong way about things. According to who? Well, look at the God here. Uh, I think I can, uh, I look at the world, I think about my own relationships, I think about uh, my family, my, my community, my participation. There's something in my thinking that doesn't quite work in, in making the community great. Am I willing to hear that? There's something about how I've gone astray in how I think. But then also there's my emotions. There's things that I love. There's something, you know, what do you love? I love this, I love that. I'm passionate about certain things. Is it possible that I love some of the wrong things? Some of the things that aren't best for me? Not best for the community? Not best for the city or our nation? How about the things I'm just determined I'm going to do no matter what? Willpower. I just will to do this. My will. There's things that I, I just will do and I won't do. I don't care what the reasons are. I don't care what other people's passions are or your passions. I will to do this. Or I will not do this. So in all three of these things, we go astray. Our thoughts, our affections, and our will. What would it be to have God speak into our thoughts so that we think thoughts with him and have our shots, our thoughts, shaped by his thoughts? What it would be to have the things that he loves be the things that we love? What would it be to have his will be done in my life on earth as it is in heaven? Sounds like a cool thing to have in a prayer. Yeah? In order for that to happen, I, I really need his word to get into me. And that's what we're talking. This is, when I say, what do I mean by like, training? Training to know and then do God's purposes. It's, this is what I mean by, I, I just need to admit, I've gone astray like, like a sheep does. Sheep just wander away. I've been around some sheep this past summer. Shepherds are chasing after them. I go astray in my, the way I think. And I need to be willing to let the living God speak into my thoughts to perhaps correct some of my thinking and to humble myself, to let him give me the things he loves. How do I, how do, I do that? You know, I need to spend enough time with him 
hearing his word. How do you get to know a person? And how could a person shape and impact you? Well, you got to spend time with them. You got to hear his words, and you got to see their actions. That's how we get to know each other: words and actions. How do you get to know the invisible God? His words, and then consider what he says his actions are and, and what they mean. And let him impact how we think and what we love and what we're willing to do. So that's the training I'm proposing to you. Well, secondly, how to, in, in terms of getting to know and love God's purposes, how do you do it? I, you really need to le- learn to feed yourself. You know, the word uh, oftentimes is presented to us as food. It's spiritual food for us. And you have, to, you have to learn to feed yourself. So reading the Bible is good, but mere reading just won't, won't get it done. We want to get it all the way into us, not just us get through it. Same way with hearing a sermon. You hear sermons each week from Bryce and Trevor or anybody else who comes in. It's good to hear God's Word. How much of this sermon today will you remember this afternoon? Tomorrow? Thursday? A month from now we're in the word we're having an encounter our trust is that you're not just having an encounter with a guest speaker but the living God himself is coming to you through mr. in shape here and to meet you in a new way a way that would maybe change your thoughts your heart despite the messenger That's our hope. That's why we're gathered here. That the risen one is here with us right now. How are you going to retain this message? I think you you really need to learn to feed yourself. Not just reading through the Bible, but some things that your pastors here would love to equip you to do. Feeding yourselves. People who are like you know how to cook. You know how to prepare a really great meal. How do you do that? When I was around uh, eight or nine years old, my parents, um, we discovered some foods that I really loved. Anybody heard of this one that's uh, like an Italian food? I think it's called uh, pizza. No, pizza, pizza. <laughs> you like pizza? Pretty cool, right? My parents discovered, we found this frozen pizza and we would get like every week, like four of them or so, in the freezer. And I'm always like, can I have pizza? Anybody relate to this? You like pizza? Yeah, baby. And so um, the thing is, though, they were frozen. I could unwrap them and put them on the cookie sheet, but I wasn't allowed to, to turn on the oven. And I wasn't allowed to put the pizza in and out of the oven because they were afraid I would burn myself and or the house down. Okay, And so I was not allowed to do this. Now, there's one day my mom was out. I don't know what she was doing. She was out. You know, you can't remember all this stuff when you're little. But my dad was home, and he was on the phone, like, working important phone calls, okay? You ever had that, like, you know, dad's home, but you can't talk to him because he's on the phone. And I'm starving. Dad, can I, can I, I walk in. Dad, dad, can I have pizza for lunch? Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't bother me. Can I turn on the oven? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, turn on to turn on the oven cool man go in and I turn on the oven I get the pizza all out put on the cookie shake dad dad 
can I put the pizza in the oven? Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't, don't, don't bother me, though. Go on and put the, put the thing in the oven. And I know that about 10, 15 minutes, it's ready to eat. I'm looking in there. It's looking really good. It's, I mean, it's looking perfect. Dad, can I take the pizza out of the oven? No, no, no. Dad, I'm on the phone. This is an important call. Leave me. <gasps> okay. So I'm going in and out of the kitchen. It's starting to smoke. <laughs> the thing is turning from beautiful to like slightly overcooked to like a black wafer. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just... It's awful, and the smoke is filling out. I come down the hall and say, get the pizza. Hold on a second, Charlie, I'll call you back. We go walking out, and by the way, this was back in the day when phones were on this, like, they were like this little box. <laughs> they were stuck to a thing, you know, plugged into the wall. You couldn't carry it wherever you want, okay? Just to set it in context, why didn't Dad just walk out? See, this is why, okay? <laughs> Hard to believe a world like that ever existed. But anyway. I'm sorry. I didn't know. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Well, fortunately, there was another one in the freezer. And uh, 20 minutes later, um, I was eating pizza. But the thing is, what was going on is I, I couldn't yet feed myself. Uh, my coach, my trainer for cooking in the kitchen, hadn't finished the lessons yet. He still... Mom and Dad's still training me how to do stuff in the kitchen. Where is the coach with you on teaching you uh, to prepare to harvest meals of God's Word for yourself? Are you like me, eight or nine year old, still can't cook it in the can't can't go in the kitchen and cook it for yourself? I want to ask you to consider aspiring to have the coach tell you some things that you don't want to hear and make you do some things you don't want to do so that you can start having some great food you harvest for yourself from the Bible. That's his job. To do with his family, his church family. It's what you're to do for each other. This is to be a gourmet feasting community who knows and longs to do God's purposes. I'm going to give you three trainings really quickly, and there's discipleship program kind of material coming up that the church is getting all organized to do, but three ideas real quick for you that you might just think about starting to do for yourself. Number one, uh, get into some careful guided studies. They're available. They're all over the place. Ask Bryce, Trevor, ask, ask Carl. Folks, can, they can guide you into some really good studies that would help you get in, into the Word yourself and start learning to cook some, some meals with the Lord. Have the Lord uh, have you harvest this kind of stuff out. Um, guided studies is number one. Study the Word. Secondly, uh, <laughs> you're going to hate this one. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a coach brought in from the outside. You ready? Say this. I'm going to hate it. Everybody say it. Thank you very much. But it's going to be great for you. Say it again. I'm going to hate this. Oh, you are. Ready? Here it comes. Memorizing God's Word. How do you feel about that? 
I'm going to hate this. That's right, you are. But the good news is you won't just be getting into the Word. The Word will be getting into you. How can a young man, a young woman, how can an old man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your Word, I have laid up your Word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Memorizing. I'm telling you something you don't want to hear. When you think about memorizing stuff, what we all think is those horrible days studying for exams, memorizing the stuff, we regurgitate it on the answer sheet, we get whatever grade, hopefully a good one, and then we do a dance. I, don't, I can forget all that stuff. It's out of my system. I'm never going to have to think about that stuff again. But we want to have the Word get into us in such a way. Memorizing, which leads to the third one. Meditate. Meditate on God's Word. How do you meditate? You think it through really slowly. You cogitate on it. There's a bunch of fun words that go with meditation. Reflect. Ruminate. Cogitate. Dwell. Huh? Marinate. Oh, baby. Barbecue next week at the beach. Marinate. Be a marinated guy, gal, of God's Word in you. And watch the flavors of God's love and joy and knowing His purposes explode into your spiritual palate of life. There's some sweet stuff that can only be had by memorizing and meditating on God's Word. Because see what you get, you don't so much get the words or even the thoughts, but you encounter the living God Himself. There's this great passage in Acts where they, the, uh, the leaders of the Sanhedrin are looking at the disciples and it says, and they could tell that these men had been with Jesus. So what we want to offer you today is, how about being with Jesus? That's why you study it and memorize it and meditate on it. It's because you expect the living God Himself to come into your life and show you Himself and change you from the inside out. You're not your own Savior by doing this. You're expecting the, the, the righteous, holy, good one to do what only He can do. Well, getting changed, that's our last point. How does this, if we get into the Word and the Word gets into me, how, about, how do I get changed? Well, look at the rest of this passage. If, that, if I get filled with this good treasure and out of me would come... Um, out of my heart would come, out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth and my life would speak. Look what Jesus says next. <laughs> Verse 46. You ready? We're really happy right now. He says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Oh, man. That's a sledgehammer of a verse, isn't it? How you feeling with this one? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? How many people are doing what Jesus tells them? The pastor's doing it. You're, huh, you're doing what Jesus tells you? Sometimes. <laughs> really? 
though my sin is as scarlet. I am the chief of sinners, says the Apostle Paul. When is it that I'm a good man who does what the Lord tells me? Boy, this is a scary thing. You know, um, there's three reactions I think you can have to this, this, this statement of Jesus. This is devastating statement. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? You're like, oh. Well, one response could be this. Okay, Lord, I'll do what you say. Just watch me. Huh? Anybody feel that resolve? Ah, I'm going to do what you say, Lord. Watch. I got the willpower. I'm going to do it. I, you've loved me so much, I've got to love you. That's one response. A second response could be this one. <sighs> I knew I shouldn't have come to church today. <sighs> I'm never going to do what Jesus says. I'm not coming next week. They make me feel too bad in the church. That could be a response you have. I don't think either of those are the response of faith in Jesus as Savior. Jesus is asking this devastating question to take us right into the gospel, the good news of how much he loves us and what he's done to save us. And he's letting us know <laughs> what, what that's all about in this little section in verses 46 to 49. How's he doing that? What he's basically saying is, look at this again if you've got your app out or your Bible. He says, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I'm going to show you what he's like. Verse 48. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose and the stream broke against it and the, against that house, it could not shake it because it had been well built. It's like, oh, that sounds good. I need to build on the rock. Are we able to do that? Is that within our power? I tell you, I, I try to build on the rock. I think I need a Savior to help me build on the rock. Verse 49 says, But the one who hears and does not do them... And see, I, I read that first sentence there. But the one who hears the words of Jesus and does not do them... I'm going... Oh, He's got me. That's me. Oh, but you're a pastor. I know. The more I read the words of Jesus, the more I read the words of the Bible, here's my conclusion about me. I stink at this. I don't do it. Keep the Ten Commandments? Mm. Love, love uh, the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Mm. I mean, just go down the list. I'm like, eh. The one who hears, the one who hears and does not do them, oh man, he's talking about me, is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, it immediately fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Oh, that's what's going to happen to me. He is showing me a picture of the great judgment day and I am due to have that flood and the falling of this house be a great fall. That's what he's let me know is happening. But now why do we talk about the gospel and say that it's good news? Well, here's why it's good news. That flood of judgment that's due on those who hear the word and not, don't do it 
has already fallen on my substitute, on my Savior. It is already that judgment, that flood has fallen on Jesus. And great was the fall of that house. You know what day we call that? We call that Good Friday. And that was the day Jesus took the flood of God's judgment due to me, the one who hears his word and doesn't do it. And he put it into his body and suffered the death. And in his agony, he cried out, my God, why have you forsaken me? Great was the fall of that house. Great was his fall in my place. Why would he do that? And why does he teach that after talking about being the good tree? He's saying, here's how you get to be the good tree that out of you would flow good works. It's know, knowing that you can't hear and do his word in your own power. You'll always fall short. You're due his judgment, but that he took your judgment in your place to say, I love you. You're loved. You're loved more than you can dream. And it's that love. See, that's the message of the word that you want to have get in you. You don't want to hear it. You don't want to just get into that word, but you want that word to get into you. And you never outgrow your need to hear how loved you are and how great your Savior is. And He puts into you what you can never and I can never put into myself. Our hope is that He would make us righteous from the inside out. You know, it's easy to mistake a morally restrained person, a morally restrained heart. In other words, a person who's like, I want to be good, I want to be a nice person. It's easy to mistake such a person for a person who actually has a spiritually transformed heart, transformed from the inside out by the message of the gospel. By sheer willpower, you can decide to live a good and moral life and you can look like a very respectable, even follower of Jesus. But to train to know and do God's purposes, the message of the one who went to the cross in your place needs to get drilled down deep into your heart and that you know your only hope to be accepted by the, the holy and good judge is on the merits of someone else. And that someone else is Jesus. And that will fill your heart with joy. And that will fill your heart to be someone that you've always hoped you could be, but knew you could never be, unless you had a coach who would help you train to go feed yourself the glorious frozen pizzas of knowing Jesus and how much he loves you. Let that fill your heart and mind today. And remember it at four o'clock this afternoon, and this coming Thursday, notes to self. Don't let this message ever depart from your mind and your heart. Live here. Live here. Father, oh, we are not people who want to train. 
we are some of the people Gandhi was talking about. Unused resources in the FedEx bags of our lives. We don't know how to feed ourselves. Oh, that you would put in us the coaches who would tell us what we don't want to hear and help us do the things we don't want to do, but most especially the ones who would point us to the lover of our soul who alone can change us from the inside out. We need a savior, not a self-improvement program. Our training is to look for the one who did for us what we can never do for ourselves so that we could live the new life, him living it in us and through us. Help us in this, we pray. All to your glory. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.